Well, good morning. We want to welcome all of our school employees here today, our teachers, our administrators, uh, everybody who works in our school systems. Uh, we have a gift for you. Uh, when you leave service today, we want you to head out to the Welcome Center, and uh, we've got a $5 uh, food voucher that we want to give to you that you can use at any of the food trucks uh, outside of our main lobby today. That's just our gift to you uh, to let you know that we care about what you do. Uh, we believe and are praying for you, and that's really what today is all about. Today is about prayer. Uh, we want to invite you to come back at uh, 6 o'clock at any of our local uh, school campuses and, and pray. Pray for our teachers. Pray for our, our students as they go back to school this year. Uh, last Sunday, uh, we brought back all of our Christmas in July uh, shopping bags filled with school supplies based on wish lists that we got from teachers. And uh, here's, here's what we were able to bring back through your generosity. 31 scissors, 37 treasure box prizes, 48 headphones, uh, 49 teacher packs, 134 earbuds, 146 markers, 203 erasers, 382 K-cups, i got to keep the teachers caffeinated, uh, 547 glue sticks, 591 bottles of hand sanitizer, 616 crayons, 897 dry erase markers, 1,235 pens, 1,500 pages of printer paper, 8,600 index cards, 18,349 disinfecting wipes, 21,680 pages of notebook paper, 54,060 tissues, and 62,379 post-it notes. Let's give ourselves a hand. Our, our prayer is that uh, these supplies help our teachers and, and help our students uh, have all the resources they need as, uh, as they go throughout the school year. Well, we've been in this uh, series, Questions That Siri Can't Answer, and I think if there was a time where you could ask God any question, and you knew that he had to answer, what question would you ask him? I think for most of us, at some point in our life, the question we would ask is, God, why haven't you answered my prayers? It just seems to me across the board that Christians and even non-Christians have this frustration where they pray and the heavens just seem silent. You have this urgent request and you go to God and it just seems like he's busy doing other things. And maybe it's had a big effect on your faith and you stop praying. Or maybe you've even stopped believing. And as much as any other reason, I think there are people who have abandoned the faith or at least have allowed their faith to be weakened because they don't understand why God doesn't answer their prayers. And really, the problem isn't so much that God doesn't answer prayers. Really, the issue is he doesn't answer them the way that we think he should. And it's not so much that he's silent. It's that sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says wait. So why doesn't God answer prayer? I went through scripture to try to find the answer to that question. And I did discover that there are many times when God does seem silent. Uh, Moses, for example, asked to enter the promised land and God said, no. And David pleaded for the life of his newborn son and his newborn son died. The church without question prayed for James and James was beheaded. Uh, Paul prayed for his thorn in the flesh, this physical problem he had to be taken away, and God said no. 
My grace is sufficient for you. But there are a number of examples in Scripture where God does dramatically answer prayer, where somebody prayed and God worked in an incredibly powerful way. Can I just give you a whirlwind tour of the Old Testament and show you some places where God answered prayer dramatically? We already looked at earlier in the series the story of Abraham and Sarah, who well into their 90s have this child, never thought that they'd give birth. Sarah laughed when God said that you will have a child. But they prayed, Abraham had faith, and they gave birth. They gave birth to a son named Isaac. Uh, Years later, the time came for Isaac to be married, and Abraham sent his servant to his homeland to find a wife for Isaac. He wanted Isaac to marry a woman who believed in this one true God. And yet this was a big assignment for a servant, pretty intimidating, right? So the servant says to Abraham, how will I know who to choose? How can I know who to ask? And Abraham simply said, pray. Well, that's incredible when you think about it. I have two sons. Uh, Imagine when they get older that I ask you to go back to Texas where they were born to find a wife for them, okay? And I would tell you to do a lot more than pray. I would say, you know, make sure that she has all of her teeth. Uh, It's important that she doesn't wrestle alligators for a living. You know, there are some things that I'd want you to go on other than just pray. And yet Abraham just says pray, and his servant prays. He says, God, I'm going to go to this well to get water, and when a woman comes and offers water, not only to me, but also to my camels, I will know this is the wife for Isaac. And a woman comes to the well, her name is Rebecca, and Rebecca becomes a wonderful wife for Isaac. Later in the Old Testament, we read about the nation of Israel, and they're in slavery in Egypt. And you know how they got out of that? The Bible says that they cried out to the Lord. When they cried out to the Lord, God spoke to Moses, and the Lord said to Moses, I have heard their cry. And he sent Moses to free the people from the land of Egypt. Why? Because the people prayed and God heard. He acted. Well, the Israelites left Egypt. It's called the Exodus. They were exiting from Egypt and they were heading to a place called the Promised Land. But as they were leaving Egypt, all of these slaves, the Egyptians didn't want them to leave, so the Egyptians sent their army after them. And the Israelites got to this place where all they had was the Red Sea in front of them and then the entire Egyptian army behind them. They had nowhere to go. And so they begin yelling at Moses, have you brought us here to die? What are we going to do? And do you know what Moses did? He prayed. And somehow God miraculously allowed them to cross the Red Sea on dry land. A little bit later in that same story, we read about how Moses' brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam, were disobedient and rebellious against God, and so God struck them with this horrible disease, leprosy. It was incurable. But Moses prayed for his brother and sister, and they were cured of this incurable disease. And then there was Samson. Most of you are familiar with the story of Samson. He was the strongest man in the Bible, yet he fell from God's plan for his life because of his sin with Bathsheba, or with Delilah. 
And the Philistines, they, they captured Samson, they gouged out his eyes, they, they cut his hair, and Samson lost his strength. And he was this helpless prisoner. But do you know what Samson did when he had no power left? When there was no other way for him to be saved? He prayed. And God gave him his strength back. And then there's the story in 1 Samuel where there's a woman named Hannah who desperately prays for a child. She didn't think it was going to happen, but she went to the temple and she prayed. And she cried before the Lord. And she gave birth to a son named Samuel. And so over and over again in Scripture, there are these dramatic answers to prayer. Hezekiah was told he was going to die. But he prayed to God and God gave him an extra 15 years of life. Elijah on Mount Carmel prays, and God sends down fire from heaven, and it consumes the altar. The church prayed, and Peter was miraculously released from prison. The Bible says that those who follow Christ and are God's children, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. And yet for many of us, if we were honest, we would say, that's not been my experience. I've been frustrated because there have been times I've prayed and the heavens seem silent. God has not answered. So in the next few minutes, we're going to talk about why doesn't God answer our prayers? Because Scripture teaches there are some things that can really hinder our prayers. And the first thing I want to draw your attention to is an unforgiving spirit. Now look at Mark 11, verse 24. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. More than any other characteristic in the Bible, other than maybe faith, the number one thing linked to prayer is forgiveness. Over and over, when Jesus teaches on the subject of prayer, he also talks about forgiveness. Why? Because nothing will kill your prayers faster than resentment. And so when you hold a grudge, when you nurse resentment, when you allow bitterness to grow in your life, it hinders your prayers. And so maybe you're praying and you're not getting the answer that you want, or the heavens seem silent because you're holding this grudge against somebody. Most of us, I am convinced, completely underestimate how committed God is to us, building strong relationships and making sure that we're living with love and respect with the people around us on earth. And so before you can pray effectively, make sure that you don't have some ongoing conflict with a neighbor or a coworker or a family member or a friend. If it's up to you, make peace with them. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And your prayers will be more effective and more powerful when you are doing everything you can to live at peace with those in your life. It's not always easy to do. Some of you have been hurt. Some of you have some very real pain. But if you're at odds with someone, if you need to forgive them or, or seek their forgiveness, do it. Ask yourself honestly, have I sincerely tried to restore the relationship or am I holding something back? 
Uh, Scripture also indicates that an unbelieving heart can negatively impact our prayers. James 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And so there is a very direct link between faith and answered prayer. And Jesus makes this connection over and over again throughout his ministry. In Matthew 9, 22, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has healed you. In Matthew 15, 28, he said, you have great faith, your request is granted. In Mark 5, 34, he said, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. In Mark 10, 52, Jesus said, go, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight. In Luke 18, 42, Jesus said, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Faith in Scripture is believing that God can do what you ask him to do. But faith is not believing that your request is going to come true, that he's going to grant your every wish. Faith is believing that he will do what is ultimately best. It's believing that he has the power, but it's faith in his goodness and his love for you as a father that he will make the right decision in your life. And so an unbelieving heart can block our prayers. Uh, Something else that can hinder our prayers is an uncaring attitude. Proverbs 21, 13 says, whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. In the Old Testament, we read about the Israelites who were praying. They were asking God to work in this great way and God wasn't answering. And so they began to fast, that they weren't eating. And they were praying as earnestly as they knew how to. But still, nothing. Uh, Finally, God speaks to them in Isaiah 58, and listen to what he says. On the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all of your workers. You can't fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To share your food with the hungry? To provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe him and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. And your prayers will be most powerful when you reflect the love and character of Christ. When you reach out to those around you who are in need and you become an answer to their prayers. Another thing that can hinder our prayers is an unacceptable motive. A lot of Christians play these games with God where if we do enough for him, then somehow he's obligated to do something for us. And this is how a lot of our relationships work. You know, if if I do the dishes, then I might expect my wife to pick up all of her shoes around the house. Or if she gets up in the middle of the night with one of the kids, then she might expect me to allow her to sleep in a little bit the next morning. It's this, if you do this, then I do this for you type thing. It's an if-then game. And sometimes we get into this in our relationship with God, and we think because I've done this and this and this, then somehow God is obligated to grant every wish I have. 
And yet James 4.3 warns us of praying with an unacceptable motive. It says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. In other words, it's a selfish motive. We pray because of what God is going to do for us. And so we pray, God, help me get the promotion. God, help my kid to, to make the winning shot in the basketball game. God, help me to drive a car like that one. God, help me to get rich. Instead, we need to pray, God, help me to honor you. It's fine. It's, it's wonderful to pray for God's blessing in your life, but why do you seek the blessing? Is it so that you're honored or so that he may be glorified? Another thing that can keep our prayers from being effective is an unconvincing effort. One of the biggest reasons for unanswered prayer is because we really don't think God is going to act, and so we don't really bother asking. I mean, how many times have you been really frustrated with God not working in your life, but if you were honest, you haven't really prayed much about it? James 4.2 says you do not have because you do not ask. Oftentimes, I'll hear people tell me of some great effort they've put in to try to get this need met in their life. And they've seen counselors, and they've seen doctors, and they've read self-help books, and they've listened to podcasts, they've talked with their friends, they've practiced positive thinking, they've even recorded episodes of Dr. Phil. I mean, they've done it all. They've done everything they can think of to do to try to fix this problem, but sometimes I just want to sit across from them and say, hey, look me in the eye. And tell me that you have fervently, over a period of time, offered this up to God in prayer. Why is it that a lot of us seem to have the motto, when all else fails, pray? Instead, it should be our first response. Another thing that can keep our prayers from being answered is that we have the wrong request. We think we know exactly what needs to be done in our lives. And so if God seems silent, it just seems obvious to us how he should have answered. And we demand an explanation for why God isn't working in our lives the way we think he should, but we need to remember that we don't have his perspective. He tells us, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And so like a child with a parent, we have to trust our Heavenly Father to do what's right, even if we don't understand his decision. And sometimes God says no. And when he says no, we can still trust him because sometimes our requests are inappropriate. And God knows what's best for us. Sometimes, this doesn't happen during the summer, but like when it's colder, my kids will ask if they can wear shorts out when it's 40 degrees outside, and I'm not going to let them wear shorts. And they get mad at me for saying no, but, but I know what's best for them. I know what's best for them as a parent. And, and so here's a real simple truth to remember when you're praying. That trust comes before faith. And before you have faith that God is going to do what you ask him to do, you trust that he's going to make the best decision for your life and your situation. You know, we praise God all the time when he answers with a yes. We thank him for answering our prayers when he says yes, but we don't usually thank God for answering our prayers when he says no. Instead, we get discouraged and, and we get frustrated because God doesn't do what we want him to do. But if trust comes before faith, 
then we can praise God even when he says no because we trust that he's working for our good and he's going to do what's best in our lives. Uh, Let me give you an example of this. When I was getting ready to graduate from college, I applied for a youth ministry position at a local church. And uh, this was a church that was about 30 minutes from campus. I had just gotten married the, the summer before, and my wife still had a couple of years of school to finish before she got her degree, and so I thought this would be a great fit. We'd still be able to live on campus. She could finish her degree. I get to work with middle school and high school students. And also, let's be honest, I needed a job. I needed to provide for my wife. And so I prayed about it, and I was sure that this was going to be the right thing. I thought I was going to get the job, and guess what? I didn't get the job. Instead, a friend of mine who lived on the same dorm floor as me got the job as the youth minister. Well, not long after, I was frustrated and discouraged, and another friend of mine got hired at a church in Texas. And he came back and he told me all about this church. He told me how incredible it was, and he told me that they were wanting to start a college ministry and that he had given them my name. He had recommended me. And that began a series of conversations. And I was passionate about working with college students. I felt called to work with college students. I I had done a a high school ministry internship, and I knew it was something I could do if I had to, but I wasn't passionate about it the same way that I was working with college students. And so God, in his plan, had just the right thing in mind. And yet for weeks, I moped around thinking that God was in heaven, not listening to my prayers. So trust comes before faith. Jesus oftentimes told his disciples when they made inappropriate requests. Jesus knew what was best for them. And sometimes our requests are totally self-serving. They're materialistic, they're short-sighted, or they're immature. And so I really am thankful in my better moments, not always, but I really am thankful that God loves us too much to say yes to inappropriate requests. Uh, One last thing that can hinder our prayers. Scripture says that unconfessed sin can get in the way. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Uh, Proverbs 15, 29 says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he knows the prayer of the righteous. So sin always creates a barricade between God and man. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had perfect fellowship with God until they sinned and then they hid from him. David says in Psalm 66, 18, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. It's only when we open up our lives to God and allow him to have complete control that our prayers have the most power. Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So here's the question. Are there some things in my life that I need to confess? Are there some areas of my life that that I've held back from God that I really need to turn over to him? Maybe it's an activity or an attitude. Maybe it's a habit 
but those things can break the connection between us and God. When you're living in sin, when you have this area of your life that you haven't turned over to God, it's going to be really difficult for God to hear your prayers. Dave Stone says it's hard to pray with sin on the calendar. And if you know there's a part of your life that hasn't been turned over to him, it's really difficult to have meaningful conversation with God. 1 John 1.8 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so you begin a prayer sometime by just saying, God, I was wrong. Lord, let me confess to you what's going on in my life. He knows it anyway. So why are you holding back? Uh, One preacher illustrates it this way. He says, imagine that you've been on a vacation for two or three weeks and you come back and your grass is like eight inches high and you know that your yard sale lawnmower is not going to cut it. But fortunately, you've got a neighbor with a big John Deere riding mower and you know that it's going to be able to cut anything. And he's told you before that you can borrow it. And so you think now's the time that I'm going to take him up on the offer. And so you leave your house and you begin to walk over to his house. But on the way over there, your neighbor's little dog waddles up and starts biting at your pant leg. One of those small little ankle biters. And you can't stand these dogs. Uh, Especially this one that howls at night and leaves messes on your yard and it snaps at you. And you can hardly put one foot in front of the other as you're making your way over to your neighbor's house. And frustrated and exasperated, you give it a little sly, swift kick. And then, just as you kick it, you look up to see that your neighbor is standing on his front porch with his arms folded, looking directly at you. I want to ask, is this a good moment to borrow the lawnmower? No. There's some things you probably need to clear up before you start asking for favors. And God repeatedly invites us to come to him with all of our needs. He offers us free access to his resources. But maybe you have a few things that you need to clear up between the two of you before you take him up on that offer. So is there anything standing between you and God? Maybe God's saying to you, hey, before I grant you your request, I want you to reach out to that person that you haven't been getting along with. I want you to confess the sin that's in your life. I want you to have greater faith. I want you to have the right motives. What is it that may be blocking your prayers? And then if the heavens seem silent and God doesn't seem to be answering your prayers, remember that trust comes before faith. And even when God says no, you can trust that he is a loving father who is ultimately working all things out for your good. Let's pray. Father, it can be frustrating and discouraging when we feel like we pray and we're not hearing from you. God, I pray that through our study of Scripture, we would see that that there are some things in our life that can hinder our prayers. And So like David, God, I pray that you would create in us a new spirit. God, I I pray that if there's anything that's standing between us and you, God, that that we would get that cleared up, that we know that that Jesus has, has covered all of our sins. So I pray that 
because he has forgiven us that, that we would forgive others? That, that we would honestly pray for your will to be done? That we wouldn't pray selfishly? But God, we would trust that you know what's right for us. And God, we, we praise you and we thank you for answered prayer. The times when you say yes, the times you say no, even the times you say wait. We know that you hear. We know that when we pray, you move. So God, I pray that, that we would have greater faith. That more and more and more, we would be characterized as a people of prayer. That we would understand it's a vital relationship that we have with you. That like Adam and Eve walking with you in the cool of the day in the garden, that you desire intimacy with us. So would we lay it all before you? If there's any sins that we need to confess, God, we, God, give us the, the courage to confess that to you. And may we all be a people of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.